Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. And welcome back to another edition of The Connection. I'm Ann Baldwin. And I'm Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, CEO and President from The Connection. And you are? Ann Baldwin from Baldwin Media, President and CEO. <laughs> Never thought I would say that, you know, but I just I just love the fact that, you know, I don't really have a boss. I'm my own boss, which is scary sometimes. Like, what? You're in charge of yourself? That's really a scary proposition, but... Well, yeah, it's different for me because I have a board of directors, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. Thank goodness I don't. I wouldn't be president and CEO, I'm sure. You know, it's interesting. Uh, quite a few years back, I was up for this big job as a spokesperson for a big company, and I made it through a lot of the interview process until nearing the end, the big question was, why, how do you think you could go back to corporate America when not having had a boss or being in a corporate environment for so many years? And my eyes just popped open. I'm like, you're right, I can't. And I almost ran out of the interview. I mean, it was just like, you're right, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. I know wow. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, everything sounded good, but I'm glad. Anyway, so here we are 22 years later. At Baldwin Media, having fun and plugging away every day. But enough about me. So we're very excited to have um, our next guest, who is Michelle, excuse me, Michelle Reardon-Nold. She's the Executive Director at CT Data Collaborative, right? That's right. Is it CT Data or just it's a Connecticut, Data, Connecticut Collaborative. Data Collaborative? And um, you, we talk about this a lot, Lisa. We talk about data. We talk about measurements. We talk about you know, how do you tell if something's working or if something doesn't? And isn't it true, especially now in the state of Connecticut, mm -hmm. they want to see proven results, statistics, data to back up. Yeah, to back it up. You can't just say you're doing this or doing that and then not have something to show for it. Well, that's been a huge part of the Connection's ability to really grow and expand is really based on data and, and information that we've collected um, to really justify why our programs work. And so it is really, it, it is really key. So business must be good for you, Michelle, because now everybody wants data and everybody wants results. So, you know, for me and maybe for our listeners, why don't you explain what, what we mean when we're talking about data? Sure. Um, so there's there are different types of data. Um, we Is it data or data? It, it's, um, I da say data. Some people say data. I tomato, well, tomato. Really, <laughs> is it really one of those you can say it either way? Yeah, I hear it. We hear it both ways. Okay. All right. You say it the way you want and I'll say it the way I want. Okay. <laughs> So there's different types of data. Um, I, you'll hear a lot in the, in the news and um, written about about big data, um, and that's you know it's actually been around for a while. But um, think of it as transactional um, data. It's stock market transactions are big data. Um, getting here, I use the Waze app. I created you know big data. It's um, the reason why we hear more about it is that it's 
growing at an exponential rate due to the rise of computers and um, the Internet of Things. And we now have the technology capability to um, actually use the data, whereas before we didn't have the tools and techniques to actually use the digital data that we're creating. So the exciting part about big data is that we have the processing speed and we have um, different analytical techniques to, um, to uncover you know, what the data are telling us. At the Connecticut Data Collaborative, we um, work with public open data. So that would be um, data that's provided by um, state agencies, um, federal census data. Um, so it's, there's different, when you talk about data, there's many different um, types of data. And it really is because of technology, right? I mean, people are just, you know, able to input and export and, and those kinds of things. So it's important, I know, like at places like The Connection where you have those proven results and you have those numbers. So I'm assuming, Lisa, that your staff has to be trained you know, in collecting data based on the number of services that you offer. So we've been working with universities in the past that have been collecting data and realized the, important of, the importance of doing that to grow our programs and to, you know, talk to, you know, folks at the state and other professionals about why data works and treatment works. But then we developed our um, Institute for Innovative Practice at The Connection, as you know, and what we're doing there is providing studies and collecting data on specific programs, for example, with regard to criminogenic needs and looking at the treatment that we have to make sure that we have best practices and we're looking at our clients with regard to, you know, how are things working and, you know, what is the recidivism rate, et cetera, um, to prove that, in fact, the treatment that we're providing is effective and is beneficial to not only the state, but most importantly for the clients that are being served. So, you know, data has been key in growing many, many of our programs. And it's because of that that we've been able to, you know, expand and provide, you know, ongoing services. And and really that's... And get more funded, we'll right? Get, yeah, we'll get more funding, but most importantly, it's because we know that, you know, the data that we're collecting is showing proven results. It's also showing us what works and what doesn't work so that at the end of the day we can tweak our programs so that they're exact, they're providing what they need to to produce the results for our clients and citizens in Connecticut. So Michelle, that's one of my questions too is um, people don't always get the results they want, right? Right. So how is that approached? Uh, well, I think, you know, that's part of the discovery process, right? Is that um, we can operate on anecdotes, but it's through the data that we learn what's really happening and if we need to guide resources in a different direction, if we need to tweak programs, I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. the power of data is to uncover the myths or the assumptions that we might have and to really learn about what's working, what's not working, where do we need more resources, where do we need less resources. Um, so I think it, it can be really a powerful tool in that sense. And if you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Michelle Reardon-Nold. She's the executive director at CT or Connecticut Data Collaborative. What about HIPAA though? I mean, a lot of what you do at the Connection and other healthcare agencies, you know, is so confidential. I got to tell you, I was just at the dentist the other day and there was a woman at the counter kind of checking out and I was told like, step back, step back, go in the lobby. We'll call you when we're ready. I'm like, what the heck's going on? I couldn't even stand next to a lady as she made her next appointment because of HIPAA. 
it's cra it was crazy, I thought, a little bit. But, you know, the thing is, people, to get this data, you've, I'm sure you have to have access to some pretty sensitive information. How do you handle that? Yeah, at the Connecticut Data Collaborative, what we focus on is we focus on open um, public data. So it's it's not personally identifiable information, but we do have, you know, HIPAA guides health data. You have FERPA that guides the laws that protect education data, which is really important because mm -hmm. you don't want people's identity to be, you know, you don't want exactly. them to be identified. So those laws are really good in that they help protect people's information. But and you say you get you get public data. Right. I, am, I better not be pronouncing this wrong or the phones are going to light up. You're saying data, I'm saying data. It really doesn't matter. You sure? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna, yeah. I should go ask our English major in there. So, so where do you get it, though? So you're telling me my stuff that's just out there publicly could end up in your hands, and how, where, where, do, where do you get it? Um, so most of the data that we provide um, comes from state agencies. Um, so we provide um, state Department of Education data, public health data, um, municipal fiscal data, um, and so that all comes from the state agencies, and it's been de-identified, anonymized. Right. There's no way it's been aggregated, such that you can't, f you know, you can't identify individual people, but you can use it for planning purposes. You can assess needs in the community. You know, how many children in this community are receiving free and reduced lunch? How many children are, you know, special ed? So that kind of so. High level counts, right, to understand. Right, what are the so needs it's redacted, like, right. you know, the names it's might be. It's de identified. You, all right. those certain features are removed mm -hmm. when you're submitting the data for analysis so that it can't be tied back to a specific person. Perfect. So, security number, you know, things that are really, you know, date of birth, you know, specific, obviously the name the name of a person. So those things are, are not shared. Yeah, I know, like right now, the big thing in the news media is to FOI request, FOIA. Mm -hmm. So they're FOI and request all this information from schools to do all these investigative reports, but they're redacting, for example, you know, the name of the child, or if somebody's out on leave, the reason that they're out on leave, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And I'm like, have you ever heard of FERPA and or HIPAA? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's the reality of where we're at today, and it's to protect all of us. It's not, you know, I don't know that I'd want all my stuff out there. So let me ask you this too, Michelle. What are some of the big things that, you, that you've been working on and some of, maybe some of your most aha moments because I'm sure there are some in, in data collection. Sure. <laughs> it is exciting work. Even you're, you're, that, you're that girl that sat next to me in that computer class that I flunked. That's who you are. <laughs> um, so we have, um, let's say, we have an, we have an exciting um, project that we just actually got announced today. Um, Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> da, 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 da. Breaking uh, news. Go ahead. Where we're going to take a look at um, housing conditions in Hartford and health um, conditions in Hartford. So it's an Urban Institute um, grant. Cool. Um, it was uh, CD, It was called the 500 Cities Data Challenge. So we um, we congratulations. Yeah, that's thanks. wonderful. Yeah, we're partnering with the Liberal Arts Action Lab of Trinity College. So really, what's important about this project is taking a look at um, the two two different domains, right, housing and health, and how do they impact each other, and what are the, what are the, um, you know, correlations between housing conditions and the health of the residents, particularly in the neighborhoods of Hartford. So it's really being able to get down to the neighborhood level mm -hmm. and understanding what's happening at the lowest, you know, at a lower level of detail. So that's that's going to be an exci exciting work. How long, how long will that take? A year. We have a year to work on it. 
Um, we also we also run, um, which we worked with the connection on running some data training classes through our Connecticut Data Academy, where we help um, nonprofit organizations, we help state agency personnel, municipalities, um, try and understand the data that they're collecting and using and how best to apply it. So we had um, two women from a, an organization that provides uh, family services to help families um, prevent child abuse. And the social worker didn't know why she was in the class. She's not a data person. You know, why am I here? I'm a social worker. And her um, data person in her organization was also there. And halfway through the class, she said, I know why I'm here, because I'm producing the data. I'm working with the families. I'm collecting the information. And so if you don't have what you need to help understand our clients, then we don't, we don't have good measurement within our organization. So that was an aha moment. It's mm. people realizing that everybody's a data person. Yeah, and I think that data is a little bit different than, in my opinion, studies. I, I get very frustrated sometimes where they say, well, we'll decide what we're going to do after we study it. We're going <laughs> to study this. Or we're going to form a committee and we're going to study that. You know, we know what the issues are. Let's fix it. But with data, it's different because you have the numbers then to back it up. And you have something in what used to be black and white that you can put in front of somebody and say, here are the numbers, the numbers don't lie, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what's your ultimate goal um, at the Connecticut Data uh, Collaborative? So just to keep plugging away and um, what do you guys do all day? I mean, <laughs> I have this vision of what you do all day, but what, what do you do? do you, uh, there must be a lot of door knocking surveys, you know, one-on-one -on -one connection with people to hear it straight from their mouths about Especially, it sounds like this new project is going to be really hands-on. Mm -hmm. um, we do, I mean, we say we do, we do three things. We help um, democratize access to data, to public data. So we provide on ctdata.org, our website, access to over 200 um, public data sets. So we have someone who works with gathering that data, cleaning it, um, we say wrangling with it. Um, mm -hmm. So making it usable to the public. Um, we also have our CT Data Academy, where we hold um, free and um, open to the public workshops called Data Basics. They're held monthly. And then we also run more data storytelling workshops. So um, we have, so we're working on different workshops to try and make data more accessible through um, public education initiatives. And then we also help work on specific projects. Um, we say we help liberate data. So we work in consultancy with other organizations, it could be state agencies, um, and help get the data out of their systems and then make it more accessible and available Meaningful. to the public. Because yeah. it's a whole other skill set, is it not? Well, Gathering I, all this information and putting it into a program that you know spits it out so you can understand what it even means. We have um, a sophisticated internal um, data system that uh, one of our staff, you know, has created. It's extremely sophisticated. We have loads and loads of data. So I can call him at any given moment like today and say, I need, you know, this information over the past however many years with regard to how many females entered our program and were successful. You know, we have a description. What does that mean from this year to this year in the age group of give me it, run it down by age group. How many children did they each have? Um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. How many clients that we've served in the last three years have come back after they successfully graduated, relapsed? How many? He he prints this stuff out. It's in, it's awesome. And when we're writing grants, we're able to pull these numbers to speak to whatever we're writing about. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then we can go on your website and we can pull up data from there that talks about things in Connecticut if we want to incorporate. So we use data on a regular basis. And I think because you do such a nice job in collecting the data and you have it over such a long time time period, longitudinally, you're able to do the studies through your institute exactly. to really pinpoint which programs are working and which programs aren't working and who does it, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not a one-size-fits-all, right? So which demographic or um, age group does exactly. this work better for? And I think it's really powerful what the connection is able to do. Thank you. So who else asks you for your services? What are the kinds of people, and, and do you charge for those? Um, some of them we don't, some of them we do. Um, so our data basics workshop that's held monthly is free. It's open to the public. So is there a charge for your services? So some of them um, are free and some of them we do um, charge for. So our data basics workshop is open to the public, free. Um, it's a three-hour workshop. We have um, a data helpline where people will call and just ask questions about data. They're looking for some piece of information. Um, recently, I had somebody ask me about housing data, right? Does this, does this figure that I get from the census include housing voucher or not? Does it include housing voucher or not? Um, and so um, it, it, it varies what we're, what we're, when we work in consultancy with other organizations, um, we do have to charge for our services. So who funds you? How are you funded? So we see we receive funding from um, private organizations, philanthropic organizations, and we do receive some state funding. Great. And you are a staff of how many? We have three full-time. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That is fantastic. Wow. That's awesome to, to produce all that information. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yep, we're... Um, yeah, small but mighty, right? That's right. That's what you got to say. Small but mighty. Is there a specific project that you worked on that you're feeling extremely um, excited about, in new infor you know, information that you collected that you found, I'm sure you have, pretty stunning for Connecticut? Um, you know, what's been really one of the exciting projects that we've worked on that's not necessarily findings, but just in terms of its usefulness. Yes. Um, we've helped make the Secretary of State's business registration data available to the public, and we've um, in built an enhanced search feature. So I actually have gone out to several towns, council of governments, um, economic development planners, who are very excited about these data that are out there. Um, you can look up you know, we have data going back to the 1800s, right, because the database goes back to the 1800s. Wow. So we have, you know, you can look up what business and you can find out more information about businesses in Connecticut. So um, I did want to add that you had asked um, what services we have available, and we do have a data basics class coming up on June 12th. We have an open data call that we hold on the third Tuesday of every month from 3 to 4, and that's a webinar style. So anybody can call in from your desk um, and join our and call. And there's no charge for that? No charge, yep. Okay, so how could, where could they get more information on that? If they go to ctdata.org, you can find out all the information about our upcoming events. You can register for them. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter, and you can explore public data. So. That's great. I bet a lot of kids use you for background on their homework. Yeah. <laughs> right? We do. We do actually hear from um, teachers in public schools and also professors who use our site to teach their students about how to access data. That's, That's great. Any politics? It's a big political time of the year, local politics. Anybody contacting you? Do you keep track of any of that stuff too? We, we you know, data are neutral, so we try and 
try and be neutral. Good. That's the way you want it, right? So it's important to, I think we said this towards the beginning of the show, Lisa, because people want to see proven measurement. Like here I am in the public relations business, and people always say to me, well, how do I know that public That's relations right. is going to work for me? How do you measure success, right? And it's one of the hardest things to wrap your arms around as far as, you know, trying to say, well, I got you on this TV program or you were on this radio show and you got published in this magazine, but you can't promise that because you just don't know. So it's interesting how, especially in the healthcare, mental health field, it's becoming more and more data-driven because if you got it, you might have to switch lanes. You might have to go in a different direction. So while all these budget cuts, in my opinion, you know, were very devastating for a lot of organizations, I think it's also enabled people to take a step back and really see how they could work more collaboratively and maybe how they can take this, this kind of data and they can, you know, re reform some things and make sure, you know, for increased productivity. Sometimes you got to take a step, step back and take a close look. So many years ago, um, it's, it's got to be a good 10 years ago. Um, we were probably eight years into our supportive housing for, for families program. And we were constantly asking for additional funding and not getting cut. And so the appropriations committee that had worked with us um, had their um, policy review and, and investigation board, which no longer exists because of funding cuts. However, they worked with us for six months, and we had three people assigned to this program that came in, and they ran data going back for seven years, including they ran all the link numbers um, within the state of Connecticut, you know, DCF, and they showed that the recidivism rate of all of our families, those kids were getting out of foster care, were not going back. It was a very tiny percent. And they looked at other things. And that we came out, it was it was a brutal experience, but it was so worth it because what that did, that report, was show that we were saving the state money, that families were getting reunified, that children were not staying in the foster care system, and that those children that were born, you know, or children that were in the system were not going back. And if it wasn't for the ability to collect the data that we needed, the program would not be where it is today. Mm -hmm. So we have continued to collect data, we continue to work with universities, and we continue to do that. And also, you know why we do it? Because we wanna know that the work that we're doing is working. Right. It's it What it does is it just gives you a sense of this is really working and how can we improve? Be and, and we've got to do that. And that's why for the connection, we really feel that, you know, that uh, data is the key. So let me ask you, you talked about having a small staff, Michelle. So how do you get your numbers? How do you get your information? You talked about pulling it in from maybe census information once it's redacted or maybe other state agencies, but is what's the margin of error, or is there is there one? Well, with census data, there are margins of error, right, because um, it's survey data. It's, um, so, And we also always do show people the margin of error so they can um, have that useful information. But we pull our data. There's um, the state's open data site, data.ct.gov, where we get a lot of the raw state public data, and that's when we take it and we process it and um, make it, put it in through our visualization tools, make it more accessible and meaningful for people and easier for them to find a particular indicator that they're looking for. Um, and then we, yeah, we use federal um, census sites. We use um, housing. 
So you're just data. pulling all this yeah. stuff in and compiling it into. Yeah, because it's really, it's useful for people to have one place to go as opposed to having having to go and navigate individual sites. And is it pretty much Connecticut data focused or it just stays here in Connecticut? It's there's and, But you must team up with other organizations. So if people are looking for national numbers, there's access to that too. There is. We focus on Connecticut. So we focus on trying to provide data for um, each of our data sets that we provide. We try and get it down to the town level. So we're providing town level information. Um, but if we pull you know, from national sources, you can go to those national sources and get outside of Connecticut information. So I'm curious, if somebody had an idea, like they said, like if I came to your organization and I said, I want to know how many, uh, let's say, green one-eyed monsters live in the state of Connecticut. Do you ever take on people's requests to find out the answer to that if you haven't already researched it? We will help them, direct them to, okay, you might want to look at these sources. This is where you could find that information. We have this data set that could help answer that question. So we do we do provide that. Um, like I said, we have this data helpline that we don't really publicize, but now here I am publicizing it. But it's, uh -oh. <laughs> if you email info at ctdata.org, um, one of myself or my other two staff members will help answer the questions. Fantastic. Yeah. So what's what's the big project that you're working on right now? Anything that stands out? Um, well, we do we do have a move coming up, and then we have this the housing and health um, project that we're undertaking. Mm. Um, so that's um, uh, you know top of mind right now. Do you do that by phone or do you do that by door knocking? How do you how do you reach the people? Um, so that'll be collecting data sets. Um, so Hartford, the municipal. Municipality of Hartford has an open data site, hartford.ct.gov. Um, and um, so from there, we can, we have some, they have some public data sets that we'll use. And so we'll be combining all these data um, and analyzing it and, and mapping it. So we're going to use some GIS techniques like hotspotting to overlay um, health and housing data wow. and try and understand the correlations between the two. You know, and some That's people, like, they'll say, um, stay on the line at the end of this call if you'd like to answer a brief survey. I never do that. You know, and so some people kind of step back or they're afraid to give out information. But from your perspective and from your perspective, Lisa, they need it. You need that info. And tell people out there who might be reluctant to share or fill out a survey or some sort of a form, why it's important to you? Well, I, 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 I focus on census surveys, so be sure to fill out your census surveys if you get the <laughs> census surveys. I, too, back off from the, you know, after your hotel stay, getting an oh, yeah, email, did you that. like this? Or, um, but I think, um, we, you know, there's, there's survey data and then there, there's administrative data. And we, we tend to focus on, you know, administrative public data, right, data that are collected through program implementation. Like the connection is focusing on administrative data, collecting administrative data. So um, I, I think sometimes, you know, a lot of times with those surveys, there can be bias in the, in, in the surveys and the collection and the response and the... So. Yeah, or the agenda, you know, what's right. the agenda of the person doing it. But, but, you know, we can tell you that what you're doing at the Connecticut Data Collaborative is, is the real deal and really helping organizations like The Connection. Thank you so much you know, for what you're focused. doing. Yeah. Thank you so much for what you're doing for Connecticut. Yeah. I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting us be here to talk Absolutely. about our work. And uh, Michelle Reardon-Nold, Executive Director of Connecticut Data Collaborative. 
that was an interesting conversation, a little bit more interesting than I thought it would be, but I've learned a lot, so that's a good thing, right? It is interesting. All right, and I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 